Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. In this conversation, I have the chance to speak with Aris Papadopoulos. Aris is a dancer, maker and performer based in Athens. With a background in architecture, Aris sees the landscape as a cultural construction and as a heavily charged field of potentiality for action, exploration, playfulness and composition. In spring 2020, Aris was a participant of the Critical Practices Programme of Onassis Air. Today, we will discuss about his research interest around the reciprocal scheme of embodying landscape versus shaping an experience that he further explored during his residency through the format of an audio-guided performative walk. On this occasion, we have also invited to this conversation his two mentors who worked closely with Aris and supported him for the development of his research, Lenyoka Clea, a dancer, choreographer and writer based in Paris, and Dimitris Theodoropoulos, an architect working in the intersection of art, architecture and spatial design. Paris, welcome to Room. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you today and thank you very much for accepting my invitation. Perhaps you can briefly say a few things about yourself. Thank you for, for inviting me for this conversation. Uh, my name is Aris uh, Papadopoulos, and I'm um, I'm a dancer, I'm a performer, uh, and a dance maker. Uh, I'm a bit reluctant to use the the term choreographer, uh, as it refers to specific practices. Um, and since I come from an architectural background, I consider myself to be more of an um, interdisciplinary uh, artist. Um, so my interest lies in the exploration of um, various fields and formats. Uh, I've been developing lately uh, my own work for the first time. Uh, this is what uh, the, the whole um, research in this program was about. Um, although I have been active in, in the performing arts for some years um, as a dancer and performer, um, and I've also been creating dance, uh, dance work through my collaboration with uh, Martha Pasakopoulou. So we are currently developing uh, a new idea for a work together, um, but I'm always switching in between uh, being performer for others, um, making work with, uh, with this collaboration with Martha, and also creating my own work. Thank you. Well, I was actually about to ask you about your background in architecture and how did you start? How did you start with, with dance and performance and where does dance and architecture actually meet in your own work, in your practice? Mm. Um, yes, so I, I initially imagined a, a career in architecture, uh, but gradually um, I became um, less and less attracted to, to the built uh, environment. Um, and I was more keen in, in landscape, uh, landscape design and processes, um, processes transforming spaces or places uh, over time. Um, like in different uh, phases or um, where the element of, um, of time was a decisive factor in the overall um, outcome. 
um, or ephemeral structures. I was more interested in, in designing and building uh, this type of, um, doing this type of design. Uh, and then later on, uh, while um, walking, while doing field work uh, for, for another research in the vernacular and rural um, landscapes of uh, Arcadia, I gradually um, realized that um, uh, it's, it's, um, I, I, our own body is creating something uh, in space while walking. Uh, and that had um, and that has an impact in space, uh, the body tra traversing the space, uh, and that of course coincided with my dance studies. Uh, so eventually, my medium of expression and understanding space shifted um, uh, towards the dancing uh, body or the moving body, better say. You also mentioned the notion of time. Was body for you, let's say, um, a, a form of measurement in terms of time and space? Uh, no, I mentioned I mentioned time uh, for for uh, designing practices. That it's it is it's a different thing to have a finite design and you know apply it on a place. Uh, conceive it elsewhere and then apply it on another place. And it's a different thing uh, to, to work with um, the element of time, the seasons, uh, the changes uh, and the cycles um, in order to, I see. Yeah, in order to come up with, um, with a design that is site-specific and applied exactly to the space that you're designing for. Um, in, in terms of the body and the moving body and in terms of dance, what I liked was that the outcome uh, was uh, on the spot. With dance, you do, you, you, you're dancing and you're moving and it's happening there and then. Uh, and actually it's instant and then it's gone. <laughs> uh, unless, of course, for documentation and, and, and other um, formats of work. I see. Mm. Well, let's uh, let's start from the very beginning in terms of your residency. Um, you were part of the critical practice program, which was uh, intended for practitioners who were experiencing a critical shift in their practice and needed time and to pause and reflect. And I would like to ask you, what was the critical shift that you were experiencing when entering the program and how did you decide to apply for this residency? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the biggest shift or the biggest change um, for me was that um, from being mostly a performer, um, uh, the, I was introducing myself as a maker uh, of my own work for the first time. Um, although I have been working, uh, have been making work in collaboration, it was the first time that I, you know, I, I wanted time for myself to to gather my ideas see what uh, I would do on my own and what choices would I make uh, in making work that and and also what where would I draw from which disciplines so the the, the other um, ongoing personal uh, question and it was more than a need, a need rather than a question was um, this attempt to bridge uh, those two disciplines, uh, um, architecture and and dance, um, not in a strict sense. Um, so I, I wanted to make use of the tools that each discipline provided uh, and I could possibly implement uh, within the spectrum of the performing arts. So how could a broader understanding of space and landscape and a broader understanding of um, movement uh, generated by the human body can come together. Where do those two things come together? And then it was the critical issue of time. I mean, this project, uh, program um, allowed for time. Uh, you, I, I could have the time to delve into those things um, and find out what was uh, important to me. Mm -hmm. Did you have an, um, a research question? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, the, 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 initial, um, the initial question um, title uh, was uh, Embodied Landscapes and Landscape Bodies. Uh, 
that was the the the, the first thing um, and it was a, a play of words trying to show the um, reciprocal nature of uh, container uh, and content and which which one shapes which uh, and it had to do of course with uh, this previous site-specific research in in the landscape of riverbanks uh, where water formed the riverbank and respectfully the um, the riverbank determined the, um, the course of the water uh, so instead of work water in the urban landscape which i was interested in um, the, the fluidity it was substituted by human movement and and in this case uh, in my case um, it was my own body. So my own body was the unit of measurement. Uh, I started with that, uh, trying to compare myself against the landscape. How many steps would there be? Um, how long did it take me to cover a distance, a specific route? Uh, what, was, what was the changes of, um, of altitude along the walk? Um, what was my orientation? And then gradually this initial um, title transformed finally to, to a final uh, research question, which was how to embody landscape uh, and how to shape an experience, which was a better phrasing of, um, of those notions. What is a landscape for you? So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in landscape uh, as a... Um, as the combination of both man-made and, and natural environments. And what, what, what is um, more important is uh, the effect that one has over, um, over the other. So I, consider, I, I take landscape as it is, not, not in the romantic sense of a landscape, or it's not about the framing of it. Um, I see it as a field of potentiality, as a field of um, uh, chance encounters, um, uh, a way of um, understanding the world we live in. And I think by walking, uh, walking would be the best way to, uh, to do that. I was actually about to ask uh, how did you start working on this question. For me, it's really interesting that uh, you used the plural form, embodied landscapes or landscaped bodies instead of um, the singular, because uh, I feel that this um, creates, I mean, it's it's more open. I understand that you, you were researching on the multitudinousness of uh, what landscape could mean. And um, yeah, how did you work around this question? Where, how did you begin researching, let's say? Um, I started off with, uh, with, uh, with images. I worked with images. Um, so I was, um, uh, first of all, I needed um, a case study. So uh, I did, the, my case study was um, the route, the walk between uh, my house and, and the, um, the residency center. So I would joke about it and I would say that I was walking from home to artistic home. Um, and it, it, it made sense because it was my, my everyday commute to work. <laughs> And it was the shortest distance between my house and, and there. Um, it's almost a straight line in the map. Um, would, would you like to tell us uh, about the two different neighborhoods and how these two are connected? What was the, the path that you were taking? Mm, um, so uh, I live in, in the neighborhood of Petralona, which is a low-rise, uh, kind of uh, not so um, rich area. Uh, and then the walk climbs up towards the, the archaeological hills of Filopapu. Uh, and then the, the, the last bit of the walk is um, uh, right beside the Acropolis uh, and the... Um, the market, the, the, the um, I mean, it's the, in, in, in terms of property market, it's the, the, the highest end uh, in Athens and probably Greece. Um, so it, it, it covers a, a long distance and it's uh, actually, you see many cities within this walk while traversing it. 
so the social aspect of the route was something. Uh, the multiple cities I come across as a walker. Um, and then there was something also kind of significant that all this walk towards the highest end uh, <laughs> was, was an uphill uh, walk <laughs> at the same time. Um, there were two completely different neighborhoods and also the, um, I would say the, um, the difference in, in the encounters with other human bodies. For example, under the Acropolis, there are a lot of tourists while um, more locals would live in Petralona, right? Mm -hmm. Was that part of your interest as well? Uh, it became, towards the end, it became, I became more and more uh, interested <laughs> in people, let's say, because I started off really um, clean cut. I was looking for uh, the spatial qualities, uh, the measurements, body measurements. Um, I was interested in... Uh, in photographic fragments and what could I extract from that uh, in order to to build a graphic language which then would be transcribed into movement. Uh, so I was interested in that. Um, and later on, uh, I, I realized that, uh, um, of course, embodiment uh, needs uh, bodies, needs people. Um, and it was only um, later on that I, I decided that... Um, I would. I, I made a shift towards um, uh, how I embody the landscape, of course. Uh, but then there was an, a, a notion of um, of me wanting to embody uh, other uh, users of this landscape, like the everyday users, the people that that live on those neighborhoods, the people that make use of the archaeological uh, park. Uh, of the pedestrian roads, uh, people running or doing exercise or just going for a walk or commuting. Um, and I thought that this gave um, color and it, it, it would inform my own body being, of course, uh, a performer in the, in the, um, in the final work, which was not a final, final work, but it was a draft of, a, of an artwork, let's say. It's interesting that we're having this, um, this discussion um, and all the observations you made, uh, because we need to, to pin down also the timeline of when this happened. And your research took place during the lockdown. So that was even, that's even more interesting for me to hear how you experienced you know, uh, being able still to walk outside and um, do this research while, let's say, the human bodies were contained within uh, the um, their houses. Mm -hmm. Well, it kind of uh, underlined the, the the importance of this um, of this walk, and it made it very clear to me that um, this was something that this was at stake. Let's say. Uh, in those times of the of, of, of the lockdown, um, and of course, um, being stuck at home, stuck at home, uh, it, it urged me even more so to 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 do the walk, um, uh, to invite others, uh, to present it for uh, for another group. Uh, and actually, to go forward with this, uh, with a with a walk, the idea of the walk as a, a as an actual format uh, for both a presentation uh, for fellow um, participants of the program, and then later on uh, the idea of it becoming an actual um, artwork or artwork in the making. Did you always do the walk uh, by yourself? Uh, no. I mean, you were one of the the first persons uh, to <laughs> to walk. <laughs> That's true. On very uh, early uh, stage, uh, and then there has only been a few um, a few people that walked with me. Uh, Dimitris Sotheropoulos, one of the of the mentors, did the walk with me. Of course, um, uh, I did that with the next partner. Uh, I did it with another um, an artist who's also working with uh, the format of um, of uh, collective walks, uh, David Berger. Um, 
who else? I think that's it. I was well, mostly I was um, uh, mostly I was walking alone, uh, and I was doing uh, the same route every day, um, not deviating, but sticking to the to the path I've walked uh, uh, on the very first time I did it. Um, and I think I worked more as a, um, an accumulator of uh, images, thoughts, um, architectural elements, spatial qualities, um, insignificant details uh, that I find I found interesting while experiencing over and over again the same walk and the exact same path. Can you give us a, f- a few examples? What do you mean by insignificant details? Uh, I mean I would inter- I would be interested in I- foot. Uh, footprints on concrete, let's say, on the pavement, or um, I would be interested in uh, marbles um, uh, made out, I mean, um, uh, kitchen sinks uh, in the archaeological site of uh, Philopapu, where you would think that you would find, you know, ancient, uh, some ancient marbles or leftovers. Or ruins, um, and then I would find, you know, this uh, those little details, those little elements uh, in there. Um, I was uh, interested in traces, um, uh, what else? Um, it seems to me that you were um, collecting fragments along the way. And I was wondering, what did he do with all these fragments? There were several elements uh, working, going on in parallel, because uh, I was also, um, I was collecting the photographic fragments, uh, but I, all, I was also doing, making fictional landscapes out of them, like little uh, diagrams. Um, or um, I would categorize them uh, and uh, making bigger groups uh, and then writing texts on those subtitles that I would give them, Um, like imprint traces, um, excavation, porous volume, flows and rhythms. Um, So I would start writing about those things, uh, and those small texts gradually became... um, bigger and bigger and um, they made it uh, to, to, the, to the final uh, text that I used for the audio walk. So they were part, part of it. Those two things were going in parallel. But then the images and the photographs I used differently. Uh, so one thing was just a cate- categorization. Um, The other thing was uh, those fictional landscapes that I made, series of fictional landscapes, like uh, photographic narratives. Um, And then I would play around with them in the studio uh, as projections. So I would project the the fragments on a a white wall, uh, and then I would uh, place my body over the projection and then take another photo of that. Uh, so I created a few scores and I experimented a bit with that as a process, um, both of understanding my relation to the to the to the fragment that was uh, captured from the from a real place, but then taken and um, and edited and worked on in the studio. Um, and also, I was at the moment then I was considering it uh, as a per- as a performance, also as a as a performative action. Um, Before we go to the audio-guided walk, um, I was wondering if you could say a bit about um, whether you had any references. I'm I'm observing that walking as practice has has been proliferating um, over the years. And I was wondering if you were looking into other other kinds of walks uh, or how did you decide to adopt a specific format um to to do this this kind of uh, research mm-hmm. um so yes i was of course there were um uh, references i mean um readings that i did or um looking into the work of other artists um um so 
I was looking into the work of uh, Valley Export, uh, who did not do walks exactly, but she was um, she used uh, her body uh, where she positioned herself against various architectural elements in the urban landscape. Um, I looked into the work of Andrea Fraser, um, who had done um, museum tours, basically. Uh, but I was interested in the way she used the different roles she, she was acquiring in her work. Um, also considering herself as property of the institution, uh, herself being a guide, um, uh, as well as a performer, as well as a participant. So uh, this also informed uh, and kind of uh, created um, uh, the, the, the roles or the discussion around the roles that I would want to to um, take in the course of the of the audio walk. Uh, I was also uh, inspired a lot by uh, Janet Cardiff's "The Missing Voice," uh, which is a work I haven't experienced, but it was an audio. Um, uh, then you would you would have the audio and walk around the city, and it was like a noir uh, uh, situation where. Um, the displacement and ambiguity and disorientation and deja vu uh, elements were very prominent. And that was something that uh, was really interesting for me and something that I uh, tried to incorporate in my own, in my own work. At the very end of your, res of your residency, we organized an open studio day and you chose to present us this research in the form of an audio guided walk which you titled Scanning the Walkscape. Mm -hmm. And uh, let, let's talk a bit about that, about the title and why um, did you choose to, to present it in this form or what happened during the walk? So I use the term uh, scanning, borrowing it from the, from, from the Feldenkrais uh, somatic method, where sessions sometimes start with a quick um, mental scanning of one's own body lying on the floor. Uh, and I was thinking that, oh, this is interesting because uh, while walking, you are upright, you're standing, and it's a completely different situation from uh, letting, your, uh, le letting gravity take over when, when lying. Um, so I, uh, I, w I was considering myself uh, as an upright human body walking uh, as, um, as, as a, a scanner of the landscape. Um, Although during the walk, you adopted uh, different positions. I mean, the horizontal and, and the vertical was, were always into play, as far as I remember. They were, yes. Uh, I use that. Uh, but in terms of scanning, I think, and traversing the landscape, I would say that it was the upright body scanning the, um, the walkscape. Uh, so that was what the title uh, referred to. And also it referred to um, a, um, a more thorough process of exploration, which was very present in the work I did in the beginning. Can you walk us through what, what happened? I remember we were um, a group of 15 to 20 people and you had designed this, uh, um, let's say, um, uh, guided tour that we were uh, required to listen to while walking mm -hmm. with you. Exactly. Uh, so I designed the audio walk. I made recordings of all of my texts. Uh, and then I made a composition out of those. Um, and then I used a few recorded sounds from the, from the urban uh, landscape. Uh, and also I recorded my breath uh, at some point. Um, and then the whole thing was uh, framed and was timed, uh, it was tightly timed uh, to my walking pace and rhythm. Um, so uh, what I did was uh, I sent an email to all the participants with, uh, with the audio walk uh, and a few instructions, uh, a general outline of what would happen uh, during the walk and what would their role be as participants. Uh, and we all gathered uh, uh, at my place um, on the street uh, and we had 
we all had our headphones on and we uh, simultaneously uh, hit play on the um, on our uh, players uh, and the um, the experience of the walk uh, began so the audio is uh, was actually the thing that um, united us in in a way um, as well as the as us being forming a group that walks together while uh, in silence, of course, while listening to the um, to the audio. What I uh, I liked uh, in this storytelling, uh, in this narration, not storytelling, sorry, it's this mix of factual elements about the neighborhood and uh, fictional mm. elements. And first of all, I would like to ask you about your choice of this um, uh, neutral voice, because it wasn't you who were narrating. No, uh, yes, I was reluctant of, to use my, my own voice. Um, I was having this idea that I wanted something uh, more neutral. Um, so I used a computerized voice. Um, in, in an attempt to make um, to, to make it more of a of a navigator uh, that you would use um, while using maps, for instance. Uh, so, what? How do you perceive your role in the walk? So, I'm guiding the um, the participants, as I am the the only one who knows the exact route and. Uh, so everybody's following me, um, but at the same time, I'm as much uh, a participant as they are, uh, because I'm also listening to the same audio once more. <laughs> um, and then I'm also um, a performer in, in the sense that I'm performing the, the previous two roles. Uh, and also there are some, um, some parts where I, I'm, uh, I'm doing some simple uh, movement actions uh, in space, like lying down, walking, running. Um, I shift uh, between rhythms and paces. Um, and a lot of times I stop to wait for them, for the, the for, for the participants to come, and then I continue on. Um, when when we talked uh, last week, you told me that um, this book is not intended for doing it by yourself, and you're actually keeping us together in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that, that I'm there. I mean, it's important for me. I'm not sure about the, <laughs> about the participant, but it's important for me to have this uh, feeling and this understanding. And it was very clear, that was very, very clear to me uh, since the, the first time that we did the work together. I mean, with a bigger group. Um, and of course, it could be done if somebody had a map uh, with, a, with a specific uh, trajectory, but it wouldn't be the same. Um, and I think me uh, keeping the um, the, the rhythm and the pace uh, alive, like uh, in real time, uh, makes sense. You're the timekeeper in a way. I think it's interesting to uh, to work with that and see also what's what's happening if people are keep uh, falling behind or um, keeping up. I think it's really important because it's where the the personal uh, manages to become collective in a way because you're bringing um, you're creating the conditions for uh, a group of people to to walk together even though each one of us is wearing the headphones or the earpods whatever um, it's it's the moment when you realize that you're starting creating new memories because you're not doing this alone. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, I, I think it's the um, different elements uh, shared. Uh, it's the audio that uh, makes a collective experience. It's us walking together. Um, it could be um, same stimuli, but various random thoughts bubbling up uh, in, in each one's minds uh, at the same time. It's walking in silence. Um, 
And I think also each participant on the walk has uh, his own body, um, body type, strengths, capacities. Uh, so I think um, consequently, each one of, uh, of our body's senses and absorbs and collects different uh, elements, uh, different information uh, differently, of course. Um, so I would say that the collect the the the, the um, that the collection, the collective action of walking together um, becomes personalized because we, we're, we're starting off doing this together, uh, but then each one's mind um, goes into into their own, uh, as you said, memories or line of thinking uh, or as making associations of their own. I came across the, uh, an article the other day and I kept this quote, which I think um, describes uh, very well the way that I felt during the walk, which is um, words call places into being. And uh, I, f I felt a lot like that, like when uh, we were listening to the, to the recording and th that, you know, um, you're creating new mental spaces. And um, I was actually, I wanted to ask you about the relationship between what we hear and what we see. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think, first of all, what was um, an element that was in, uh, interesting to me and I wanted to push forward with that is the, um, the notion of uh, thinking while walking or uh, by walking, you, you make thinking happen. Um, and in the in the audio walk, um, I most of the, I I wish for the participants and myself uh, if I can do if I manage to do that uh, to reach a state where the uh, where the eyes and um, sight uh, take a secondary role. Um, there is a moment where you get um, so immersed in the in the audio that you actually um, see through listening. Uh, and I think that, that that's when the mind um, starts to make associations on a com completely different uh, level than that being restricted merely to, to what is available and finite upon uh, the glance. Um, and another thing is that the, the, there are always various degrees of uh, translation and interpretation. Uh, so I am making an interpretation of the landscape by framing a photo or by writing about it uh, later on, um, or yet another interpretation when I narrate the story back to the participants. Uh, and I think this is um, this is inevitable. It's happening. Um, and I remember we were talking about uh, about it with uh, Dimitris um, because um, he referenced. Uh, somebody arguing that even in everyday conversation through the same language, you find yourself um, in a state of constant interpretation and translation of what the other is saying, like perceiving and processing uh, the content. And I think that this is constantly happening between uh, what I interpreted, uh, what I um, uh, jotted down on paper, what I'm um, then later narrating to the... Um, uh, to the participants and the juxtaposition of the audio and the visual um, is, is creating um, an, an interesting space for, for thinking to happen, for associations and for uh, personal stories to, to emerge or memories. I have to say that today um, we are very happy that uh, during our conversation we are joined by two of your mentors. <laughs> <laughs> your two mentors, <laughs> Lenio Kaklea uh, and Dimitris Sodoropoulos. Uh, both of them worked very closely with you throughout the duration of um, your residency, and I think it's time to, to give them the floor. For sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Lenio and Dimitris, thank you so much for joining us. Kalispera. Kalispera. You're welcome. Kalispera. Thank you for inviting. Uh, would you like to briefly introduce yourselves? Um, so I, I'm Lenio Kaklea and uh, I'm a dancer and choreographer based in Paris. And I make work that is informed <laughs> by, uh, by different uh, artistic currents 
and uh, and sciences such as uh, sociology, ethnology, ethnology psychoanalysis, analysis, feminism, and uh, make work in the intersections of um, of dance, critical theory, and visual arts. Okay, I'm Dimitris Adoropoulos. I'm an architect by education, and I mostly work in the field of architecture and um, are artistic uh, research i would say that is also bordering between the field of art and architecture so in these blurry areas <laughs> in between how did you start this collaboration aris i'm interested to hear because uh dimitris and you have two very different practices that you kind of merge in your own practice um why how did you connect uh, well, it, initially, because there, there were two disciplines that I wanted to join together, I thought that I should have somebody, I mean, uh, to, to talk to, um, you know, um, for each one, <laughs> let's say. Uh, that was the initial thought. Um, so I was thinking that with Dimitris, we would discuss about um, space, landscape, architecture, the connections in between, and how could I use those um, architectural or spatial elements into, um, into making that a graphic language. Uh, and with Legnon, uh, it was about the, um, the moving body. Um, and also... Um, a, a, a way for me to to enrich in tools uh, that I could use uh, um, for embodiment or uh, performance making or dance making. Um, in the end, uh, the, the 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 capacities of uh, of both Lenyo and Dimitris were, I mean, exceeded um, my initial kind of restricted uh, role that I gave them, and it was um, we were talking about um, um, all sorts of things. I mean, and also Dimitris was proposing. Um, uh, movement-oriented uh, tasks, uh, or um, Legnon would come up with uh, with references like um, Mike Kelly's work uh, that had to do with uh, architectural models. Um, so I think it, the most interesting thing were the, were our conversations. So I would like to hear from uh, Le from Legnon Dimitris. Uh, Aris said before that um, he was basically working with you on two different questions. The one was how do you embody a landscape and the other one was how do you shape an experience. And I'm interested to hear from you uh, both how you worked uh, together towards this research. When, when Aris reached out to me, he had uh, a very, um, he had a clear plan. Uh, he had already written part of his text, and uh, I can't remember if he was already creating an audio walk, but he was definitely creating a walk. Uh, and um, he had already actually walked the path that he chose from his home to the uh, to the to the studio uh, several times, and. Uh, Taking photos of the of this path and had both um, it, ha it had both personal experiences, both experienced personal things that he decided that he wanted to share, but also had done um, let's call it scientific uh, research or uh, uh, had uh, collected. Uh, information about the urban space and the historical background of the path he was going through. Um, so all the, all the elements, when he, when he reached out, most of the elements were there. Uh, I think the, I think the critical question uh, that uh, Iris had and that I also have in my work, and I think this is why we, uh, this is why the collaboration was successful, was that the, the main, the critical question was <clears throat> um, how this um, scientific or objective uh, uh, material can be embodied, or how will 
um, how do they affect subjectivity? How do we how do they affect the construction of the identity? Personally, the one of Aris, who is the first one to walk the path, and secondly, the ones that will join him for this walk. So. Our uh, collaboration, our discussions, actually, I think most of them were, uh, were, were uh, researching and opening up uh, questions around that. Uh, why to propose this walk? To, who, to whom is he proposing this walk? How is this walk affecting, affecting him? Um, how is the body vulnerable in this path? Uh, how can uh, this? Uh, how can Iris, as a, as a, as a young man, uh, expose uh, fragility, uh, intimacy, uh, and the political uh, and the political elements that are part of uh, who he is? I did propose uh, tasks, or I did propose ways to uh, structure a bit his experimentation uh, with the urban space. Um, and uh, I, I remember also uh, trying together to, um, um, to, how can I say, to develop more things that he had tried already once. Um, um, in order to create the final material. So I think the question choreographically was once you've tried something once out and it uh, uh, out of intuition or, you know, with the energy energy of the first time, um, how, how can you develop material further? Um, um, and also I think what was interesting to me, and I felt it was interesting for Iris too, was that we also had the time to um, to to discuss, to, to um, reflect upon how these first intuitive choices, how are they? How these first intuitive artistic choices are actually uh, products of circumstances and constructed through um, through the multiple references that he has. And so how can we push these references further? Um, Dimitris, from your perspective, that you have followed the walk from its initial stages to the very end, let's say, of the presentation. Um, how, did you, um, how did you work with Aris uh, along this way? And how, what, what do you observe during the process that Aris followed? From the very first moment when Aris proposed me to do this uh, walk together, let's say, <laughs> I would prefer to say it so than mentoring, um, there was always the idea that there is a path that I take from home to work, and I want to work on that path, which includes a lot of uh, different elements it's in the city with all this layering of cities in the city and uh, and there was always the body, I mean, the, the initial question that was how you embody the landscape and how the landscape is, uh, uh, is a body of it's something uh, as, a, as a body itself. There, is, there was always the question of the body and the body then became the tool. What um, Ari said already before in the, in the talk here, uh, that the, the body, his body itself was a tool and actually the walking body because there could also be a crawling body or or a mechanical body like on a bicycle um, and so there was always this uh, um, this basic feature let's say of the body in the landscape that started from a very broad research at the beginning at, and uh, gave a result that is a work in progress, as uh, as we said. Um, that is one aspect of his body, which is the audio, which also is the, the way that he chose to contaminate the other bodies. Like there is this inner voice in the other bodies walking in the landscape and receiving what 
elements had gone through the interpretation of his own body to transmit it to the others. Uh, so I would say that there was a, um, the initial, um, let's say, broad um, question of a body on the landscape doing a very everyday thing, which is I'm walking from home to the work, uh, then narrows down to a way that all these elements can be distilled and passed to some uh, to a more collective uh, experience of what was offered as a walk at the at the end of the research. For me, it was also very interesting that uh, this process happened during the lockdown. It felt so urgent as a need. I mean, like all of us, we were deprived of this routine of going from home to work because then you had to work remotely, yes, work remotely from, from home. So this everyday routine that is mostly boring and, uh, you know, it can have all these small openings of seeing something else that was what Aris was offering as, a, uh, as an experience distilled and uh, shared to the rest of the participants. It coincided exactly with the time that uh, there was a lockdown and his research was going on in, in his lockdown. I remember I was telling you that I think that it's like uh, I couldn't imagine something else that somebody could research during that time. Like as if this is the correct thing to do now, because this is the basic question of uh, that we were that we were facing back then. Mm, but going back, I wanted to go back to um, uh, what you said about the body being a tool in this case. And um, I wanted to ask you, so what is the role of the landscape in this equation? And what is the relationship between the body and the landscape? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. First, uh, the landscape does not exist by its own. It exists because there is an observant body and a tool that is measuring it. I mean, there is land, there is masses and volumes around there, but they don't make sense if we don't look them through something. And of course, we look them through our bodies. So there is this tool. And then this tool is shared. Because, I mean, from the participant side, by um, offering your body to an experience that is... Um, guided or you know um not exactly guided because it's this uh distancing of the audio for me the audio was also very interesting because you don't really feel that you are guided by something but you feel that you have uh, internalized what is guiding you so it was a level that is in also interesting for me how we were uh, 15 people collectively walking on this landscape, but we were not really connected one to the other, but through only through the means of sharing the same audio walk and being silent more or less at the same time. And uh, so the, the, the richness of the different levels of, of uh, experience passed through and then enriched. That's what I found, uh, why I found um, functional, the choice of this uh, neutral, mechanized voice of the narrator, because it's a voice that we are kind of used to through navigation systems, software, and it didn't, um, personally, it didn't make me uh, empathize with the, um, the voice I was listening to. So I was just absorbing the, the information. There weren't any, you know, feelings in a way, but that helped me to, it, it was for me more open for my interpretation. It's a bit more open for me as well, if I might say so. <laughs> of course, please join us, Aris. You have been silent for a bit. No, I'm, I was thinking it, it. a different voice, a third voice, also creates a distance for myself while doing it. It would be completely different to be hearing my own voice. So there is a certain um, distance. We are kind of apart. So I could, I could each time listen to it again as if as if the it's you know the first time <laughs>
What was the performative element for you, Dimitri Sanlenio, in this uh, in the walk? Where, because I was telling Aris before that he's taking he took on a lot of roles during the walk, and um, in the the first time that we did it together, I wasn't sure um, which is that role. In the end, he's all of that together. But I'm wondering, um, you know, what is uh, the element that allows us to say that this is a performative audio-guided walk? Uh, for me, it's not very clear, and it's good that it's so, because it's, it's blaring the fact that there is a performer that is also the initiator of this walk and is also the one who somehow passes over this... Uh, condensed um, material, which is the audio audio walk, but then the participants also feel performing inside this uh, piece. And that's my point. So there is a, yeah, there is a, um, like a, another contamination of the performer towards the participants in becoming performers themselves. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that there is a, um, I mean, the performative aspect mm. is uh, shared somehow and in different levels and different um, qualities. Yeah. I was about to say that I didn't uh, experience the walk, but uh, uh, the way you describe the circulation of, um, of observer and observed um, is definitely what makes it uh, a performance at the first uh, and then um, in terms of how um, Aris made the choice of certain operations that I found interesting because they reveal uh, levels of, of alienation or levels of uh, the distance we have within us actually as, as subjects uh, and so the fact that he uh, wrote a text that it, it's uh, that both infuses the personal and the uh, historical. Uh, and then um, this voice is performed by software, as you said. Uh, but then he is physically there in order to listen it. Uh, and you are listening the same voice. Um, so these different levels of to whom belongs this story, uh, who makes the... Um, who makes this tour? Who is uh, legitimate to um, to uh, to propose an observe uh, an objective uh, for, to propose uh, a narrative or an interpretation of the landscape and of the space? Uh, and the fact that uh, Aris is playing both roles of uh, listening, having written it, and also listening to and reacting to it. I think these different levels. Um, of uh, observed spectatorship, uh, but also involvement, um, exposition. How much? How is he exposed? And how does uh, he propose us to expose ourselves in this uh, public and visible to others walk? I think these are elements that uh, we're adding. Um, were interesting that they were addressed. Thank you. Aris, um, I was wondering, now that uh, your residency has ended, if there is um, um, any continuation of this research, if you're planning to, to follow up with it, or um, actually what's, what's next for you? Uh, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to a creation and production period. Uh, I mean, there's still lots of material that uh, are not incorporated in the in the text and in audio work. So I would like to revisit that. Uh, I would also like to revisit uh, exactly what we were uh, talking about before. What is that uh, performativity? What is this ambiguity between the shared performativity uh, of participants, performer, passerby? Um, and then I think I would rewrite the text to a final um, a final draft and then of course in terms of production I, I think I would do again the recordings uh, and finalize the recordings um, and finding 
maybe a more efficient way of uh, sharing the audio with the participants, um, whether they would be interested in doing that uh, walk with me. Thank you. Thank you all, all three of you for uh, joining um, this conversation and for your time. And uh, I hope that uh, we meet along the route somewhere between Athens or Paris. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Aris. Thank you, Dimitris. Thank you, Lino. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Mito. And thank you, Lino and Dimitris, for following me in this uh, route. <laughs> Thank you for inviting. It was a great pleasure. Yes, it was super. It was super. And I, I hope I'll, I'll see this uh, live. <laughs> and I hope I'll meet you in person. I hope, I hope we'll have the, the occasion to work. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. You can find more about the UNASSE residency program and each participant at www.onasis.org. This series is produced by Onassis Air. Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme.